Hello and welcome to I'll Bring the Bible with Mel and Monica. We're back after our little hiatus. We are back. We're actually recording during our hiatus, but that's okay because we're not, usually we'd be recording for the month of April right now. Now we're just recording for the month of May. So we have a little, we do have a little bit of a break. It's been nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where mm. you been? <laughs> Nowhere. Here. <laughs> Here. Doing stuff. That's it. <laughs> So, but you've been somewhere. You went to the Gospel Coalition uh, conference. Yes. And um, just for those of you who don't know know out there, the Gospel Coalition has been around for a while, and they have an awesome website, and you can actually subscribe to their email notifications. They have a great blog. Usually, they talk a lot about the gospel. <laughs> they do talk a lot about the gospel. Yes, we had some great speakers this time, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, they really do a great job. Uh, this uh, conference really, you know, helps support the missions that they have throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we talked about Jesus is better, um, but we went from the, we went all the way through the book of Hebrews. Wow, great. And it was very, very good. It was very encouraging. Cool. Did you meet anybody? Did you meet who's who among Christian speakers? Who's who? Well, I did talk to Jen Wilkin, uh-huh. um, but I had met her a couple of times before. Uh, she came here several years ago, and I had the privilege of picking her up from the airport and spending some time with her. So it was nice just to, to see her, and I told her about our podcast. <laughs> Did she say, yes, I want to be a guest? She did say, yes, that's awesome that you have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but we will uh, we'll just pray that that happens. <laughs> we'll keep plugging away at mm-hmm. it. Well, cool. I I kind of lived through you vicariously in that mm-hmm. you were sending me stuff and I was yeah. posting to our stories as if I was there. But I feel like uh, you invited me into yes. it. And yeah. it was kind of cool to take part in that mm-hmm. and to kind of look up who the different speakers are and things right. like that. So I actually... Uh, got to know a couple of mm-hmm. speakers uh, through that experience. So I thought it was fun on this side, too. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> this, um, for the month of May, what we decided to do was go through the book of Psalms. All of it. All of it. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> book of Psalms, for me, it kind of feels like the anchor of the Bible. Mm-hmm. You flip to it, it's right there because in the Because it's center. so big, it's easy <laughs> for that to happen. Right. Due, due to its length and position, I mean, it's virtually impossible um, not to open it or pass through it when you're studying the Word mm-hmm. of God. Uh, it spans about 900 years of Jewish history from Moses until mm-hmm. after the Israelites came out of exile. Yeah. And It's significant book of the Bible. 263 times it is quoted. And it must mean something then, right? (laughs) By New Testament authors. Right. And of the 263 times the Old Testament is quoted by New Testament authors, 116 quotations are from the Psalms, and at least 15 of those quotes were spoken by Jesus. So people often say that the Psalms is their favorite book of the Bible. If I'm reading online on the internet, hey, what's your favorite book? Psalms. What's your favorite chapter? Psalms. And or it contains their favorite passage of scripture. I mean, me too. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of scripture that are my go-tos right. in Psalms that I right. go to for comfort. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it 
Psalms is really identifiable to me and to other people reading it because Mm -hmm. it's very vulnerable. And we really feel like, we really feel David's rejoicing and his pain, Mm -hmm. you know, when he's hiding from his enemies, his heartache over his son Absalom, his shame and his guilt uh, over sin with Bathsheba, and his spirit-filled joy. Right. The, the authors of Psalms, uh, David especially, but they, they held nothing back. Right. They did not hide no. hide their, their feelings, for sure. Yeah, and I definitely can identify mm. with right. <laughs> <laughs> Um So, like you said, it wasn't just David that wrote it. There's mm-hmm. about seven different authors, give or take. There's probably some discrepancy mm-hmm. there. But... Um, you know, what's truly amazing about it is that I can hear the voice of one, of God. I can really hear mm-hmm. God's voice. Even mm-hmm. though we know that there's different author, authors that wrote it, God's voice is the ultimate author. Right. That's, that, that's true. <laughs> and so this week we're going to talk about none other than Psalm 1. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Might as well start at the beginning. Right. It's really short. It's impactful. It's actually the introduction to the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the entire book of Psalms, the writers ultimately express themselves in two ways, the emotions of the flesh and the righteousness and the holiness of God. Psalm 1 is expressed a little differently than some of the others. It shows this proverb-like thinking and language. Its outlook in Psalm 1 is either yes or no. There's not any gray area in Psalm 1. Um, Life in Psalm 1 is portrayed as offering two choices, right or wrong. And oftentimes, we like to have a gray area between right and wrong. (laughs) That's for sure. And we oftentimes at least will justify our wrong by our feelings. Right. And what I want to say before we really dive into this is that we're going to be examining wickedness and righteousness. And I just want to remind our audience that we recognize that we alone cannot make ourselves righteous, that Jesus is the one (laughs) that makes us righteous. Um, So let's just go into this with the understanding that only Christ makes us righteous. We have the privilege to read the Bible after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are living it in um, salvation with the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they really had to abide by the law of the Lord, which is God's word, ultimately the Holy Spirit. But um, they didn't have what we have right now. They had had it in a different way. They had it in a different way. Right. Uh, But they... Often, like these Hebrew boys, especially, mm-hmm. they they memorized so much right. of the Word of God. So they literally had it, had God's Word, and they hid God's Word in their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're called to do. And so one of the things that we often take for granted, I think, is because we have it, we don't always hide it in our heart like we should. Right, exactly. So can you read Psalm 1 for us, and then we're really going to get into it. Okay, so Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf 
does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Did you ever memorize things when you were little in the uh-huh. King James? And then when you're trying to say yeah. it, when you're trying to read it, you're, you're get tongue-tied yep. because it's like, no, that's not what it's supposed to say. Exactly. So this psalm is literally a work of art, or it's considered a work of art. It's not only is it written beautifully, but it also clearly and effectively communicates the writer's intent and his, its purpose. Um, there are a lot of things that we could unpack in this psalm. So I'm just unpacking a few things, not everything. It's not, a, it's not, what is it? Com- <laughs> this is not a comprehensive. Comprehensive. That was the word I was thinking of. So it's very apparent in the psalm to me that there are two paths, one that leads to everlasting life with God, mm-hmm. the congregation of the righteous, which we see in Psalm 1, mm-hmm. 5, and one that leads to death and destruction, which is described as the way of the wicked mm-hmm. in Psalm 1-6. Throughout this psalm, there are drastic comparisons made between the godly and the wicked. David really focuses attention on the law of the Lord. David is talking about the word of God, the Bible that they had in their day. They obviously didn't have everything that we had today, right? but they had a lot, a they lot of a good. Lot. They did have a, a lot, lot of good. Mm-hmm. Psalm 1 serves as a believer's guide for life. That's why we see two ways here, one for the righteous and one for the wicked. It's like a comparison. As I said before, Psalm 1 reads like a proverb. It's considered a wisdom psalm in that it functions as a solid introduction to the book of Psalms. This psalm indicates that as the believer is actively committing himself to God and his word, God whose essence is righteousness, he is righteousness, is involved in the whole process, Mm -hmm. which then he is the one that produces spiritual fruit in our lives. And um, so it also talks about how wickedness on earth will end. The path of the righteous leads to everlasting life in the presence of God, but the path of the wicked, those who do not know the Lord, those who don't believe in Jesus Christ, it will end with death. And the, the challenge with this psalm is to reconcile what reads as severe judgment of God against the wicked and the loving mercy of God with the righteous. That's hard for some people to wrestle with, mm-hmm. you know. And this can be difficult to overcome. Christians and non-Christians alike have said, if God is a good God, then why does he? Dot, dot, dot. Right. <laughs> what needs to be emphasized is that God is holy, just, pure, and righteous. Right. He has no evil in him. None. So, therefore, he can't entertain evil. No. It can't be in his presence. <laughs> it can't be in his presence. <laughs> um, Psalm 5.4 says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. So there's such a contrast in Psalm 1 because David is showing the difference between the two. It's not all paths lead to God. It's there is only one path that leads to God and all other paths lead to death. And God is righteous. So then the only path to him is righteousness right? through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So let's take a quick look. Can you read again what it says in Psalm 1-1? 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Okay. From the onset, right here, verse 1, mm-hmm. we see um, it sets side by side two sets of people. Though it begins talking about the righteous man, the unrighteous man is clearly present. This comparison continues throughout the whole psalm. First, the psalm states that a man is blessed. This kind of pulls the reader in, at Mm -hmm. least me. It's like, okay, so I want to know, how can I be blessed? Mm -hmm. (laughs) How can I be blessed? Um, So uh, the Hebrew word for blessed is ashar. It's also translated as happy, happiness Mm -hmm. or happy. And Mm -hmm. it's used to describe the benefits of what it means to walk down God's path. Mm -hmm. So from the onset here, there's this happy man. But what's he doing to make himself happy and fulfilled? That's the question. Why is he so happy? (laughs) Because he's turning. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's turning in all of his ways. Uh Uh-huh. I like how it says to walk not. Right. To stand not and to sit not. So it's in all of our ways. It's like in Proverbs, seek ye first the kingdom of Uh God and his righteousness in all your ways acknowledge him right so i think that this right here is reminding us it's in all of our ways to turn from wickedness right the answer lies in those three parallels mm-hmm. um however instead of a list of what he's doing right it represents it presents what he's not doing that makes him happy right. so the man who is happy deliberately chooses not to participate in a path that one could easily choose Right. Because it's natural for us to go down that sinful path. Mm-hmm. And then we see um, that he is not sitting and not standing with the wicked. It's really easy to indulge in sin, and it can take over us. I was talking about that today, actually, in our mm-hmm. Sunday school class. Yes. Um, how in the moment it feels really good to indulge that mm-hmm that sinful place in our hearts that kind of wants to like wrestle in it and like, oh, I really just, this feels good because that's our nature. Mm -hmm. And we are so bent towards sin Mm -hmm. that that's the, that's the, you know, you know, the path to Christ is narrow. Right. The wide path is the path that we're on without Christ. Right. So if sin can easily take over us, how, Will we ever avoid such a fate? Well, I found uh, a cool answer in verse 2. Can you read it? But Mm -hmm. his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Yes. Okay, so when I see, usually in Psalms, how my mind works is that I see um, psalms in my brain like a movie, and usually it's in a pasture. I don't know why. Um, But this verse to me is kind of like this panoramic picture of what God's word can do to a person's heart to keep them from walking the path of the unrighteous. This person is delighting and believing in the word of God. A righteous person doesn't obey out of duty. And then, and then delights in God's word. He delights, which then produces obedience to God. 
because right. we're so happy in the Lord that we right. want the overflow of our hearts right. is to we obey so them. often look at the external right but it has to have it has to be rooted mm-hmm. it has to be rooted in the Word of God it reminds me of Deuteronomy six four and mm-hmm. um, maybe we can see a little bit of the parallels here. Mm-hmm. Where at six verse four through nine it says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and they shall talk with them when you sit in your house, mm-hmm. when you walk by the way, mm-hmm. and when you lie down, and when you rise. Amen. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Wow. Isn't yeah, that that's what, a great, that's great. Right. I, that's I exactly that. what, you know, he's talking about. Yep. Don't sit, don't stand, don't walk in the path of the unrighteousness. I'm telling you to do it this way. Yeah. This verse shows a cycle because because this person delights in God's word, he meditates on it. He thinks about it all the time. Therefore, it's in the meditation that he recognizes mm-hmm. the treasure of God's word and he delights in it. He cannot walk the path of the unrighteous because he's abiding in God's righteousness constantly. Right. And that's why it's so good to study God's word right. every single day. So a man that walks in righteousness, or a woman, is mm-hmm. a, a person that's rooted in the word of God. So mm-hmm. now let's take a look at verse 3. Can you read that? He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Yes, so we see in this verse that the righteous person is bypassing the sinners, the mockers, and the scoffers. He's delighting in God's word, and it's like this flourishing tree. And this would have been very important to the readers of the Psalms during that time Mm -hmm. when this was written. Because a lush tree served as a symbol of blessing in the Old Testament. A truth we get from this is that a person who is delighting and meditating on God's word constantly is a person who has been put in a solid and firm foundation by God's grace. He's nourished by water. And what does it say in John 14 that Jesus is the what? The living water. Yeah. John 4.14 says Jesus is the living water. And so we're nourished by water like a tree and we'll grow in the Lord and be productive in the work that God has given us to do. Uh, What does verse 4 say? The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Yeah. it's The chaff's all over the place. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And this is... A stark contrast in in contrast to this flourishing and fruitful and beautiful tree that's planted to next to an ever flowing water source. The wicked are basically reduced to nothing. The people who do not know Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ are reduced to nothing. The ungodly person does not grow, does not bear fruit, and he will not enjoy the other good things like a Christian does who meditates on God's word. The wicked shrivel up and die, and they will be like ash blown away in the wind. What once was attractive about the wicked from the the perspective of someone who did walk, who did sit with them, 
and who did stand with them now proves to be a terrible choice. The worst choice that anybody could make for they're counted among them. They are wicked. They loved evil more than good, as it says in Psalm 52, 3. Mm -hmm. So there's this harsh contrast between the wicked and the righteous. The life of the wicked we see as reduced to nothingness and the fool fuller portrayal of the righteous as a tree with leaves and fruit. So taking a breath for this second, what do you think about this, Monica? What do you, do you, do you feel that somebody might think that this is too harsh? Well, I think if you do not know the Lord, Mm -hmm. then you don't understand his ways Mm -hmm. and you don't understand the, um, basically what we're being delivered from. Yeah. We don't understand that everything, so much of what we see around us is a product of being a sin curse world, living in fallen world. And we see if we, we reduce God to be um, a God made in our own image Mm -hmm. and a God made in our own image um, makes us feel good. Yes. And make, gives us what we want, gives us, you know, expectations that we don't really deserve to, we, we shouldn't put on anybody. Right. So I think it really, you know, if you're not walking with the Lord or you don't really understand how um, devastating sin is and how it affects all of us, then I, I think, of course, you would think that that was really harsh. Yeah. But understanding the character of God through mm-hmm. his word, it shows that how very, very good he is yes. and how he has been redeeming a people to himself since the fall. Mm-hmm. But if you don't believe in the fall and you believe that people are basically good, then yeah, it would seem really, really harsh. Yeah. And this is really, um, as we're talking, we're, we're talking to... Uh, an audience to to the righteous, basically, because we want to encourage you along the way. And I promise you that by the end of this, we are going to get to that. Right. Um, So can you read what verse five says? Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Yeah, it's really important to note that the word stand here means to endure. So as a result of being reduced to nothingness, the wicked won't be able to participate Mm -hmm. in anything that is righteous. Mm -hmm. They don't don't have those roots. They're not rooted in the word of God. The wicked will be powerless to hold their ground with God. When separated from the righteous, the wicked will be devastated. As it says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of Mm -hmm. sin is death. You know, I think sometimes we can compare our lives to to non-believers mm-hmm. and things look like they're going really well for a lot of people. Right. And, um, and you know, we have to recognize that there's common grace, yeah. but also that we're looking at a bigger picture mm-hmm. than our current situation. Yeah. And we're looking at being, um, a part of God's kingdom, yeah. which does not look like the kingdom that we live in. Right. We're exiles. Mm-hmm. You know, we are living in a kingdom that's not our own. And we're to live out um, God's commands and to reflect his glory. And that's really, if, if you don't understand that, it's really easy to get caught up with what you think, how, how things are going for mm-hmm. somebody else. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. 
Now, um, the, now that brings us to the last verse. What does the, verse 6 say? For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Yep. This term here, to know, reflects an intimate acquaintance with God. God is righteousness. Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, the shedding of his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, he makes us righteous when we put our faith in him and he becomes the Lord of our lives. God knows Christians. He knows our walk because he's the one who created and ordained it. Right. <laughs> and in numbers, There's no surprises. Right. <laughs> He, you know, um, number 16, 15 says that God knows who are his and who belongs to him. He knows us. In contrast, the wicked, the people who do not know God will die. God God doesn't know them. And as we said before, wickedness cannot flourish in his presence. Mm -hmm. He'll say to them, as, as it states in Matthew 7, 23, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. And that's why it's so important. Jesus' work on the cross right. is so important because mm-hmm. he, he covers that right. for us. Um, we aren't lawbreakers anymore when we come into a right. relationship with Jesus. Um, so it, it reminds me of the, the proverb, um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning mm-hmm. of wisdom. Yes. To have uh, an understanding of what we are being delivered from through the righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, then we can begin to be wise in our, in our faith and in our understanding of who he is and what we're called to do. And to see um, all of that is out of, out of a deep love for us. Right. Exactly. And so we kind of come to this point where we're saying, okay, we know all this, and, and now we're all overwhelmed with wickedness and righteousness, but how is this significant for us for today? Mm-hmm. Um, Psalm 1, to me, is significant because it sets a standard of holiness for Christians. Right. And uh, we've talked about this before, you know, personally, about how it sometimes it feels like we're walking further and further away from that as Christians. Mm -hmm. We don't really, we want what we've um, talked about, cheap grace. Grace because we know that God will give it to us, and so therefore we Mm -hmm. can do whatever we want. That's a slippery slope. Yep, exactly. And this psalm teaches a Christian how they can discern and contemplate God's working in their lives. Psalm 1 asks a Christian to consider Where are we hanging out? Who are we spending the majority of our time with? Who are we walking through life with? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's not to say that, of course, we want to spend time with people who don't know the Lord Mm -hmm. so that they can come to know the Lord so we can talk to them about the Lord. Mm -hmm. But where are we spending the majority of our time and what are we talking about and what are we doing from the app? From what are we watching? Right. Exactly. You are right about that. So are are we delighting in the Lord and are we loving his word? Are we prospering in the tasks and gifts that God has given us? God has given us so many tasks and gifts. And we know because we're part of a church mm-hmm. that 10% of the people do 100% of the work, right? Right. But there's... Everybody is gifted. Every Christian is gifted. Mm-hmm. God has given them a spiritual gift. Well, and I think 
you know, and, and I've, I've said this before, you know, we are in an age of individualism. Uh-huh. And that seeped into the church. Yep. And, you know, we like to talk about our personal relationship with Jesus, uh-huh. which we absolutely we have a personal relationship with the Lord that we need to nurture, right. and we need to be um, just really, as we are united to Christ, but we also need to recognize our corporate right. responsibility yeah. as believers, and that you being united with Christ and I being united with Christ, that means that we're united in Christ, right? and that we need to be encouraging one another, using our gifts to help each other, right? Not to cause conflict, right? But to to go together and be the body of Christ that proclaims the truth of who God is. Right. We were created to be in community with right. each other. So, you know, all of these questions are really important questions, and they're useful for us to evaluate our walk. And, and um, Jesus states that we should be evaluating where we're mm-hmm. at and we should be contemplating um, what our walk with Christ uh, right. looks like. Um, the answers to these questions kind of demonstrate where we're at in our spiritual formation because God is always forming us spiritually. Right. A Christian is a changed person because God has changed them. When a Christian loves the Lord... They follow him and they love him so much that this spiritual formation is just going to happen because right. we're delighting and walking right. and standing with God and we're walking away from uh, wickedness. And this kind of outpouring is evident in a Christian by the way we live. Mm-hmm. Matthew seven twenty. Um, in Matthew seven twenty, Jesus says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit— you can also identify people by their actions. We always want to say, well, it's not, not the works that we do. It's the faith. But th- our works should show the faith. Because we love God mm-hmm. so much, our works show that we love God. It's, it's an I act I mean, of what if as, you know, we each have three children. Uh-huh. And we say that we love our children. But what if we neglect them every day? Right. Exactly. And we can say, they came from me. They, I, I carried them for nine months. I brought them into this world, and I love them. They are mine. They are a part of my flesh. But then I don't feed them. I don't teach them. I don't spend time with them. I don't. I, how's that work? Right. Yeah. Think about how Christians know each other. How do we know that each other has faith in Jesus? It's because of the things that we do for him. Now, of course, there's always going to be deceivers out there. Always. Always. But um, it's this outpouring of love for God. It's a a heart condition that pours out and becomes Christ's love in action. Alternatively, the wicked reflect nothing of God in what they say or in what they do. If a person's heart isn't turned toward God, they're not. Moving forward, they're becoming chaff that blows away easily. That's why we see people, Christians, falling away from the Lord and saying, there's no such thing as God, or I'm Mm -hmm. walking away from Christianity. And then we have to wonder that maybe that they never truly were there in the first place. Exactly. A Christian who's in the midst of spiritual formation demonstrates what Psalm 1 is about. 
we should continually be spiritually transformed in the areas of soul, of worship, of community, of character, love, and leadership to our calling. These are all ways that show that a Christian is, as it says in Psalm 1-3, bearing fruit in each season. A righteous person who loves God and delights in his word will not be swayed, no matter how deafening social media is trying to try, try so hard to redefine our morality. A Christian will not excuse sin, but rather love the person, point them to Jesus, and call out blatant acts of evil. A Christian who's walking the righteous path is confronting sin, repenting, and correcting his walk. All the time. (laughs) All the time. Um, But that's just the thing. Like you pointed Mm -hmm. out, we don't want to confront sin. We don't, you know, and it kind of goes back to, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus tells them to take the um, big old log out of Uh their own eye before we take the speck out of ours. We've got some big logs in our own eyes. Right. And our own blind spots. And as long as we are um, justifying our own sin, Mm -hmm. then trying to help people in theirs will never happen. Right. And we do justify. Oh, Uh, I I do justify our own sin. We do. That's the thing. And that's why we need Jesus so much. And it's easy. It's really easy to see how other people justify their sin. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've been convicted really more and more lately uh, uh, just about that Mm -hmm. and um you know we talked a little bit today about at at sunday school class um we were talking about our holiness and we were talking about how um the fear of god uh is something that we've we often don't like to talk about but you know we have this god who is both father and a judge and we have these two things, you know, they, we have this, this God who um, cannot look upon sin. And then we've got a Savior that was perfect that came and died for us. We've got this precious blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we've got this horrific sin. That, I mean, Jesus had to come and bleed and die for, right. for us. We were that bad. And we need to be afraid of offending either one of those sides. Right. We should want the fear of, of what we are without him drive us to the love of the Heavenly Father. Right. Yes. Amen. You know, and the, thing is, the beautiful thing about all this, Christian, is that we're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. Right. He will convict us and he will lead us into um, forgiveness. I mean, Jesus has already done it. He's already forgiven us. Just the acceptance of that forgiveness. Mm -hmm. If a Christian is walking with the Lord, then the Holy Spirit's going to do his perfect work. He's going to do his work in our hearts. It says in Galatians 5.16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) In the words of Forrest Gump, and that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We hope that's encouraging to you. Mm -hmm. We also know and recognize 
that is a heavy topic. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a hard topic. It's not easy. But we got to talk about it. If we're going to the Psalms because if we think they're easy, (laughs) then we're reading them wrong. (laughs) That's a good point. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's very true. The entire book is really about driving us away from wickedness and toward righteousness. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Exactly. The whole thing. Yeah. Speaking about driving away, mm-hmm. um, are your kids already talking about driving away from school and entering into the summer? <laughs> <laughs> um, not really. Why kids talk about summer all the time? I, I don't know. Maybe my kids just enjoy school so much. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, I think that they're just too busy to think about it right now. Oh, my Where they're kids steeped in soccer. <laughs> soccer. Yeah. Now, soccer. My, my oldest son that's in college, he's talked about how much time he has left before finals. And he's getting really down to the wire, so he's yeah. almost done. My, my girls have been trying to run away from school as fast as they possibly could. And I'm well, like, they've been really away from it for so long. <laughs> Or if you've been away from work for a couple of weeks, you don't just jump right in and say, you know what, I've missed this place. Well, if you do, then great. Then you have an awesome Awesome. job. Awesome job. (laughs) I have great coworkers. I don't mind my job at all, but I tell you what, it's hard to go back after being gone. Oh, yeah, it is. So they haven't been in all year and they got back in and they can't wait to get out again. And I'm like, wait a second. No, no, no. You guys got to... I feel like that they should stay in through the whole summer because they miss so much. Mm. Well, you know what? We're going to be interviewing a teacher here before in in the next little bit. So maybe you can ask her how she thinks about that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that she probably wants the break. And I recognize Mm. that everybody needs a break. Well, we thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for participating in this conversation. You can definitely email us if you have any questions. Email. Do we? I, I still email. I still email. Um, <laughs> We're not going to give you our email address. No. <laughs> that sounds like email. Um, message us through Instagram. Uh, talk to us through Facebook. And we are very willing and receptive to hearing feedback and chit-chatting with you mm-hmm. about uh, what we talked about today. And uh, we ask that you go and check us out and follow us. Follow us. We're not begging you. It's just nice. It is nice. And it, it's nice. It is nice when you all send in encouragement to us, even if it's through just a PM. We it encourages our hearts to know that you're encouraged by the things that we're the very small, teeny mm-hmm. tiny thing that we're trying to do here, which is honor and glorify God mm-hmm. with through the Bible. Yeah. Using the Bible. So thank you very much for joining us. We will see you next time on I'll Bring the Bible. Bye. Bye. Ice cream pops and cherry sodas dripping down your chin. Hmm. It's summer and where do we begin? (laughs) 